This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Another later equaliser sees the claret swings clipped by the Bluebirds. This is the No Name Ever podcast. No Good evening and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. The more observant of you may have noticed that I'm not Natalie Bromley. Uh, she's on holiday, so it's Tom this week. And after a, another disappointing couple of points dropped in South Wales, I'm joined by Adam Dennett and Richard Steele to dissect it. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening, Tom. You all right? Evening, Tom. Great intro, all that. <laughs> Thanks very much. Been, been working on that all day since I found out I was hosting. <laughs> well, if only we'd had such fun on Saturday. Um, I'll hold my hands up. I wasn't at the game. Uh, the rail strikes did me out some tickets, but couldn't get down. Um, and I didn't watch it either. Um, and it sounded like a good one to miss. Uh, I think you watched the game, Richard. So give, give me a pressy, you know, from, from what I've heard on Twitter. Uh, it was similar to the West Brom game. It wasn't a great performance. We rang in on and we didn't do enough to, to, to see the game out. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, first, first summary, Tom. I, I personally, some, some people will disagree. And I don't want to come a like I'm coming over the top. I'm not saying it's the worst we've played this season, but I'd probably say that's the game I've enjoyed watching the least this season. I felt we were really flat all the way through the game. We didn't play with any intensity, didn't play with any tempo. At times, even when we don't play with tempo, we, we kind of retain possession, but we were like giving the ball away, we were sloppy. Bruno was terrible on Saturday, give the ball away time and time again, unfortunately. And yeah, I think it just sums it up. That goal was just coming. Um, I know we're going to come on to it in a minute. I thought substitutions didn't help. I thought Matson should have been brought off. A, a talented boy, but he struggles defending. And yeah, it was just almost inevitable. And I think the last three goals we've conceded, it could even be more. It's just from my memory of, you know, I've been from cross situa- crossing situations and, you know, just getting beat too easily and, when it, it's just for me another just just completely another two points dropped. Uh, there's been too many points dropped this season from winning positions. I know the last three away games we've um, been you know been one nil up and not ended up winning the game again. Crosses has, has been our nemesis. So there's a lot of good things to enjoy uh, this season and and overall there has been a lot of positives. But I'd probably say Saturday for me was there was more negatives than positives to take out of that game and 
some people say, oh, I'm being negative, I'm this and that. But to me, that's just genuinely being realistic um, of the situation for the game. And Adam asked me a question before we started recording. Did anything happen in injury time? And that's what even frustrated as much as anything. There were six minutes of injury time and there was literally no urgency whatsoever to go and win the game. So, And I think Cardiff were a poor side as well. So I think that's what's really frustrating. You know, I look at West Brom and I know they've not started well, but for me, they'll still be top half hovering in and around the playoffs. But Cardiff will be right in that bottom half. So it was a real poor performance, poor result. And yeah, hopefully when you know, we've got two big games coming up, hopefully we'll improve, we'll improve for the rest of them this week. Yeah, I got the sense, just reading through Twitter after the game, I got the sense that a few people are starting to to get a little bit frustrated. Those automatic places are starting to to look a little bit further away than they did a few weeks ago, even though we've on, on this run well, we've only lost one game all season. Um, but before we look at some of the negatives to come out, we'll have a look at the positive, the goal we scored. Um, Adam, I know you've seen the goals. Um, Teller popping up again. Uh, he wasn't signed as a striker, but he's, he's looking to be a really good source of goals. Yeah, he's, he's playing that role really, really well in behind um, in behind Jay. Uh, doesn't need to really be on that left wing with um, with the way we get up and down. I know uh, Rich already pointed out Matson's um, maybe weakness at the back, but going forward he offers a lot. As does Vitinho if he's played there, and uh, Chirlin often Zaruri when they've made appearances. Uh, we do look a threat out wide. Meant he could operate a bit more centrally, and yeah, in front of goal. Um, He's, yeah, he's on fire. Um, really, really nice finish again. Um, and yeah, hopefully that that can continue. Uh, just just what to um, just build on one of Rich's points. And I think he said it in the um, in the group chat as well. Um, we've drawn games now from winning positions against poor sides. Um, we've drawn against teams in the 80, 18th, 19th, 20th, and twenty first positions. Uh, in the table after taking the lead, I think in three three of the games, um, and looking at our form against the bottom half sides, we've already dropped as many points against those teams as we did in the whole of the last time we were in the championship. So we've um, we've currently won two, drawn five, lost one against the bottom half teams, and last time we were in the division, we won eighteen, drew five, lost one. Um, so I know. Overall, the start to the season has been positive, I'd say. Uh, ups and downs massively, which you're going to have in uh, with like the massive change we've had this summer. Um, but we need to start turning those draws into victories if we're going to have any chance of top two. Um, and I'm not saying playoffs would be, um, would be an underachievement with with everything that, that's happened, but um, I think we know that the, we've got that quality in the, strod, in the squad to challenge. In at that top end of the table, and it's just really frustrating that we're not uh, not getting the points from the positions that we've been in. Even when we haven't played well in past seasons when we've been promoted, we've managed to find a way to win games and um, just seem a bit. Uh, we said the strong jaw seems to have gone at the moment. So um, yeah, I know you tried asking me a positive thing, and I've straight away turned it into a negative. But yeah, lovely goal. Well, there weren't that many positives to take. I think I think you're right. I think a lot of the frustration is that. We're not we're not a million miles away, are we? We don't, we don't look like a terrible side, but and there's just if we could just tweak these little things and just turn these draws into wins, then uh, then we'd have a much better chance. Um, we'll come on to then, as you said, the positives are gone now. We'll come on to the negatives. That goal we conceded, Rich. Uh, you mentioned Matson. Um, 
I don't know. For me, so the when the Matson heads that first ball away, the problem for me there is there's there's no one coming and picking that ball up. You've got the back four on the edge of the box, and the midfield is too far in front. I mean, like I said, I've only seen the highlights, so I don't know if that was uh, you know a, a feature in the whole game. But I thought I think Matson did a lot wrong with that header. I think it's the fact that there's no one coming for that second ball then, and whether that's because we've not set up properly, I don't know. But what, what was your feeling just on the goal and, and on the way we set up defensively? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you regarding the goal, and but I think Matt, I don't I'll come on to Matson in a minute. I think, yeah, the, the goal for me is a poor header from Matson, he's a bit weak with it. Again, it looked one of, one of my frustrations was I, I'm not particularly fussed with 10 15 minutes to go about trying to see, see how a 1 0. End of the day, you know, against Blackpool, we was 3 1 up and we were going gung ho when we conceded 3 3, and everyone was saying to us, you know, that you know, have better game management. But I think you made a really good point there, Tom. It was like, I, I, I don't want to harp on about Dice, but I am going to a little bit here. Like when we were defending the lead on Dice, the midfield and the back four were really close together. There wasn't them saying gaps. One, um, no, one thing I did feel sorry for Matson was Zaruri came on. Again, we all know how talented he is, but he was literally standing on the halfway line and Matson was being overrun, two-on-one. But I just look at Matson, he's positioning to me like that West Brom game. He just seems way too high up the pitch. And to me, he's just weak. Um, you know, and, and I'm not necessarily blaming him. He's a young lad. He, he's just the type of player he is. He's quite weak. He's quite. He, he's not good in a 50-50 tackle. And the thing, when you look at a team that's def- got defensive frailties, I just think at left-back, we need a little someone who's a little bit more secure. I know company won't do it, but for me, Taylor is a quality improving left back. He's done really well at Championship, but he was one of our best players in the Premier League. And Bayer, to me, looks improving. You know, it's a real good centre half, and you know, defending crosses, defending set pieces. He just gives us, you know, if we if we went to that back four, it gives us a little bit of solidity. The other option then company could have done as well because it, it was. I wouldn't say it was obvious, but it was likely that a goal was going to come from across because everything was coming from, you know, the right-hand side, you know, and they were getting Robinson into the box. I thought the full-back Romeo was very good. He had pace, he had power. He, he overlapped really well. He really impressed me. Maybe maybe go five at the back then if you're going to defend that one, they'll leave, you know, and, and maybe push Matson out to kind of like a left-back and have your three centre-halves. Could have done that against West Brom too. I know company said we've got to go back to basics and defend well and, He's absolutely right there. We've got to learn quick. You know, we've had, again, three away games. Uh, we've conceded three really poor goals and crosses. And, you know, some we've got to do something about it, you know. And, and to me, I think we've got to get more height in that bat four. But if we're trying to see games out, go to a bat five. Yeah, some really good points there. I think it's, I think when you mentioned the centre-halves, I think Bayer's been a little bit talked up saying we've only seen him play sort of one and a half games. For me, a strange one is, when you mentioned height then, um, you know, we signed Egan Riley and, and Luke Nally in the summer, paid money for both of them. They don't even get on the bench. And, uh, you know, if, if you're thinking, of, you know, you want to up away from home and you want to shore it up a little bit, I mean, that McNally's a giant. Um, and he's he's an out-and-out centre-half as well, whereas we've got people who are, you know, full-back sort of playing half, you know, half the role. That seemed like an obvious one to me. And uh, and speaking of the substitutes, Adam, um that, that was another thing that got a lot of criticism on Saturday. We're one up. We make a triple change. Um, and uh, for, by all accounts, the momentum seemed to go out, especially when they brought Barnes on. Um, and that's been a criticism that I've seen a few times this season. 
what do you think about that? What you know, is it, I, I know again you didn't see the game, but uh, but what are your feelings on that? Overall, this season, like our um, our bench has been a strength. We've we've managed to bring players off off the bench to change games. So like Goodmanson and uh, and Zaruri the week before um, against Br- Bristol City were a perfect example of that. Um, and I think we will have that strength in depth to change games. But obviously, you've got to you've got to do it in the right situations. And because it has worked a few times this season, um, maybe it's a bit of naivety to. To think it's just going to work every time, and we maybe tried to kill the game off, and we've lost lost that tiny bit of momentum that we had after half time. Uh, Rich will probably be able to um, elaborate more, but um, I'm I'm sure he'll mention Barnes as well because I just don't see what I don't think any of us see what he's offering um, in any game um, at any level in the last two years. Really, um, he just comes on, seems angry, gives free kicks away, doesn't hold the ball up. And obviously, we all we've said of numerous times he's been he's been brilliant for for Burnley um, over the time, but that time finished long ago. And I can't, I thought when he missed out on the squad against Bristol City that that might be might be the end of it unless we get a bit of a uh, have some issues with injuries or suspensions. And to see him on the pitch again for a long period at um, a pivotal time were quite disappointing. And it seemed like uh, same old, same old. I don't know if you want to add to add to that, Rich. That's kind of the um, what I got out of it. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And I think, listen, I think in in the games Barnes has been brought on and we've not held on to a lead. It's not directly Barnes's fault, but there's no, but there's it's it's not a coincidence. At the same time, like I fully agree with what you said, Adam, and I don't want to criticize company because I think overall the substitutions this season have been fantastic. I like a manager who's proactive rather than reactive. That, that was a criticism of Dice where you're just like, just change the game, you know what's happening and he wouldn't do. So I don't think you can really criticise company, but I think at that point, T- Teller was actually pretty poor first half and he got his goal and he was starting to play well and then he got come off. And this is the issue if you're having to protect Rodriguez, but for me, just put just put Teller up front. We've said how much of a threat he is and he likes coming inside anyway. And, you know, Cardiff centre-halves were pretty slow. You know, you've got him to play a ball over the top. He can drop into a number 10. When Barnes comes on, he literally doesn't do anything. He can't hold the ball up anymore. So, if if you want a bit of an out ball, you've, you've got nothing to hit. He's not got the pace to run the, the channels. He's always had the technical ability of a Blackpool donkey. So he, so, he can't link up the play. So, you just literally just lose everything you have with him. And then the issue we had was... Because we was playing the ball up to him, Zaruri and Benson was looking to get forward, and they were getting caught up up the pitch then. So it was just one of them where it did where it didn't work. Like there was an opportunity with Barnes, we managed to win the ball back. I can't remember who it was. One of the midfielders just thread, just thread it through to him, and all he had to do was slide a pass to Benson, and with his pace it would have been through. And I don't mind the player over to the part a pass by a yard or two. He literally smashed it out for a goal kick about 40 yards out and I'm like what are you doing like I teach year seven kids who could pass the ball better than that it's just like it's got to a point now where I I almost feel sorry for him in a way he's so far out of his depth compared to the rest of the players it's frightening and to me you know you've got to he's, he's not the finished article but just play Costello up front he's a 
he's a big lad. He can hold the ball up. But finger, fingers crossed. Uh, I think it's Derby Soglu. I'm not. I'm not fluent in Turkish. Um, but fingers crossed, he, he's back fit for Wednesday because. Even at Bristol City, you, you can see when he come on, he's a big, strong lad who can put the defenders off. We're Barnes now. Yeah, I know we can talk Evan, to Evan and Earth about him, but yeah, it is frustrating. And I don't think the frustrations were to blame. I just think from minute one, we were just off it, just for whatever reason. And it kind of just, we managed to get a goal, a bit of a, it, it, was, it was a nice goal, but kind of against the runner play, really. And then, the, you know, the... The run of the game just carried the same and we just couldn't quite hold on. But hopefully it's one of them, a blip after the international break and Stoke were terrible on when on Sunday. I don't know if anybody watched it, they were awful. So surely we'll beat them. Frustration is a good word uh, and it's leading me nicely on to what I want to talk about next, really. So I, we've, I think we've probably looked at the, the bad sides of this result quite a lot already. You know, you mentioned dropping points against these teams that are, are, are right down there. Cardiff are a poor side, you know, Hull are a poor side, Blackpool are a poor side. These are these are two points dropped every time. Um, but if we look on the positive side as well, you know, we've still only lost one game all season. That was a Watford, that was a game we didn't deserve to lose. I think a lot of teams are happy to take a point off us, and I think it's probably still too easy to take a point off us. But I can't think of many games this season where I've watched us and thought we deserve to lose that. Maybe West Brom, I think that's perhaps the only one. Um, and, you know, we're still fourth in the table um, and we've got a big month coming up now. There's seven games in October. Um, do you both, do either of you think the potential is there for us just to put a run together of maybe three, four wins and the picture to look a lot rosier come the international break or the World Cup break, I should say? Uh, I'll ask you first, Adam, and then I'll go on to you, Rich. Yeah, I think so. I think that's um, that's what we've been missing in it, really, just managing to string the wins together. We've had that many... Like we've had some really good performances. The Millwall game, um, obviously Wigan away, uh, Huddersfield start of the season, absolutely brilliant performances. And like I said, we've not not looked out of our depth in any any game, maybe apart from the first half against Watford, but they didn't do anything either. It was just a poor game. Um, and we improved when we brought Cork on. And then yeah, West West Brom where we could were disappointed not to win the game. So you look at you look at it on paper, and you say seven games. There are there's the Norwich home game. Obviously, that'll be tough. But we're at home. We're unbeaten at home. Um, we've we've looked we've looked strong. Um, why can't we? Why can't we go through this month unbeaten? There's a lot of games in a short period of time. It'd be a big test. But I'd I'm hope every single game I'm going into this season after seeing the way we start and the way we can play, thinking that. We should be winning, um, and I don't know whether that then leads to the disappointment when we when we put in a performance like we did on Saturday. But um, yeah, it won't won't surprise me if we we do get get a run together, and um, it, hopefully that's the case, and um, we can talk a bit more a bit more positively going going into the World Cup, especially that last game before the World Cup. We don't want to be uh, miserable for a month after that. Very true, very true. What about yourself, Rich? How, how are you feeling about the month coming ahead? Oh, geez, Madison's just got an absolute worldie as I'm watching it. <laughs> On fire, 3-0 to Leicester. So you, the Derby fans will be happy tonight, Tom. Um, no, but listen, yeah, I think Adam's made some really good points. I think, I think the thing is, I don't go into every game expecting to win. 
I never have done. I go into every game hoping to win. I think that's a, maybe a better attitude to have or a good attitude to have. And uh, I think what 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 can be frustrating is you can see how good we can be. We play in little pockets, and I think at Wigan, you know, you look at Wigan's record this season. You know, they're they're doing well. Like if Wigan win the game in hand, they'll be above us. And we absolutely played them off the park. And you see, like at times against Bristol City, when uh, you know that first half an hour when we really turned it on, we were fantastic, and then we just concede a sloppy goal. So the on a holistic seasonal point of view, there's a lot. There is more negatives than positives. Obviously, we're just analysing the, the Cardiff game. Where I think that's the first game this season where there has been, in my opinion, more negatives than positives. But uh, yeah, like you said, I think this team's more than capable of winning three or four games on a run. Um, I think the nature is when you're having seventy percent possession, and all sometimes it can get frustrating when you're doing a little bit of tippy tappy at the back. And all Tom, at times you can get a little bit frustrated. But I think overall, when you're having that much of the ball, you're not going to concede many goals just because you're not going to concede many attacks. And I think a massive plus has been Howard Bellis. He's he's getting better. I think centre-halves are looking fine with either Taylor or Bayer. But to me, full-backs, full I think defensively, as I keep mentioning, we are weak there and teams are targeting us. So to go back to original part, 100% we can put a run a game together. But... Are we tough enough to do that? Because not every game is going to be two or three nil up. Are we tough enough to consistently hold on to leads of you know one nil leads consistently? That's to me at the moment, I'd say no. But hopefully, if we get a couple of those scrappy one nils over the line, I think it'll do us a lot of confidence. I think if we won on Saturday, not playing well, it would have been good to win ugly. Um, so we'll just have to see how, how the next few games go. I'm looking forward to Norwich at home though. Be a really good test to see us against a real quality side. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. As you say, we're dropping points against the lower lights in the table. It will be interesting to see when we come up against Norwich and then Sheffield United as well a couple of weeks later, how we how we do against the big boys. Uh, that'll be interesting matchups then for sure. And I think we just about managed to finish on a positive note there. You tried to drag me away, Rich, but uh yeah, I'm happy I'm happy enough for that. I think taking a step back, it was a disappointing result on Saturday, but I don't think we're a million miles away. So uh, with that, let's go into the next game uh, and let's knock together a bit of a preview show. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We're Stoke City. So, yeah, fresh on the heels of that Cardiff game. Um, the games are coming thick and fast at the minute, which is always nice when you've dropped some points and you've not played that well. It's a chance to put it right. 
and with welcoming Stoke City on Wednesday night. As Richard said, they struggled on Sunday. They've not had a great start to the season. They're already on the second manager and he doesn't appear to have changed things too much. Um, but before we go into before we go into the game in, in more detail, um, there's the quiz question from Saturday. It's a quick turnaround time, so well done if you got your answer in. The question was, apart from the two goals from Saturday's memory match, Ruben Hennings and an own goal, can you name the only other player before this season to score a championship goal for Burnley against Cardiff City at the Cardiff City Stadium? And what was the year? Did either of you two know this? Nope. No, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. I went to the one with when Henning scored, but no, I didn't have a clue. And the correct answer was Stephen Thompson, a former Bluebird himself, of course. As in 2000, he was a good player. One or draw. And we've got two correct answers, which is uh, I'm very impressed with that. I, I didn't have a clue. And some usual quizzes, Andrew Blythe and David Entwistle both got that one. Very well done to you both. And stick around. We'll have another one at the end. So the first feature, as you'll become accustomed to this season, it's the championship head-to-head. So Stoke are old opponents of ours, obviously going all the way back to the first ever league season we've been playing Stoke. But how many times have we met in the second tier and how have we got on? Here's Dave to let you know. Burnley have faced Stoke City in the league in 48 previous seasons. Most of those, 32, have been in the top flight, with three in the third tier, which leaves just 13 at our current level, and it is the 13 second tier home games we shall be focusing on for this feature. After 10 seasons together in the top flight, in the 1880s and 1890s, our paths didn't cross in the second division until the 1907-08 season. The match at Turf Moor in September 1907 ended as a Burnley home win by a 3-1 scoreline. And after that, we had to wait until the 1930s before our next meetings in the second tier. In that decade, the visitors had the better of matters, with two wins out of three at Turf Moor, both by a 2-1 scoreline, with a 3-0 Burnley home win sandwiched in between. After several more seasons together in the top flight from the late 1940s to the mid-1970s, it wasn't until the end of the 70s that there were any further second division meetings. Burnley were 1-0 winners in January 1978, thanks to a second-half goal from the flying wardrobe, Steve Kinden. But the following season, it was the Potters who were victorious with a 3-0 win at Turf Moor in February 1979. Garth Crook scored Stoke's third goal that day. There was just the one season together in the second tier in the 1990s, and that match at Turf Moor in August 1994 ended as a 1-1 draw. Although things might have been different if the Clarets hadn't failed to convert a penalty just before half-time. That's seven of the 13 games in our list taken care of, and our last six second tier home games against Stoke City, at this level, have followed a pattern. One lost drawn, one lost drawn. In September 2002, it was goalless at half-time. We went behind to a Biani Johnson goal before coming back with goals from Arthur Nahiri and Dimi Pamadopoulos. And late in the game, the visitors were reduced to 10 men when Tommy Mooney was sent off for a stamp on Tony Grant. In December 2003, Adiakim Bay scored for Stoke before Marcus Hall was sent off, but the visitors managed to hold on for a 1-0 away win. In September 2004, Burnley took a 2-0 lead through Ian Moore and a Robbie Blake penalty, but Adiakim Bay scored twice either side of a Michael Duff red card, and the match ended 2-2. 
We're going to keep back a Burnley win from Boxing Day 2005 for our memory match feature, but since then the remaining two matches in our list were a 1-0 defeat in January 2007, after Mamadi Sidibe scored the only goal of the game, which was in the middle of that dreadful 19-match winless run. And then in November 2007, there was a rather uneventful 0-0 draw in Owen Coyle's first match as Burnley manager. Burnley wore a pale blue and white striped limited edition 125th anniversary shirt for that match, a most unusual sight. So to summarise, from Burnley's 13 previous second-tier home games against Stoke City, there have been five Burnley wins, three draws and five wins for the Potters. Very much for that, Dave. A bit of a mixed bag there. I don't remember us ever doing that well against Stoke. We always need to do better at the Britannia than than at the Turf against Stoke, in my memory. But let's hope we can change that on Wednesday. Um, now, this is <laughs> the next section is something that we're pr- pretty oversubscribed for. Um, I reckon most of you could name at least a handful of, uh, of former Stoke players who've also played for Burnley. There seemed a time when our, our transfer policy was exclusively made up of uh, of old Stoke players. Sean uh, Sean Dyche did seem to be very fond of shopping there. Uh, we've got there's a big list available on the Twitter, 43 in all. Um, can I ask you a question, Tom, instead then? Because look, because people can name them all. Give your favourite ex Stoke Burnley player. The big oh. question. You might as well just be asking me my favourite uh, <laughs> favourite Burnley player with the amount we've had. Uh, Who would you say? I think of of the list. I think the one that springs to mind for me is uh, well. I, I'll, I'll leave Sam Bates to one side. I think he's a bit obvious. I'll say Martin Patterson. I was really keen on Martin. Patterson. Okay. So, it, that it was one of them. You know that season when we when we uh, won the playoffs and and we had that, them cup runs. He was a bit of a cool yeah. hero. That just came out of nowhere. And then if we go a little bit further back as well, Andy Cook because I was a big fan of Andy Cook when I was when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. And Andy Cook for me all day. Probably me. Uh, he's not my favourite, but I do remember as quite a young man uh, gifting Noel Williams hat trick against Barnsley. I think it was where it was two 0 down. But yeah. I would have to say he's he's not the best player. But I don't know. I just loved his style of play. And I just loved how hard he was. And Phil Phil Barnsley just thought he was just an absolute animal. Just and I think everything that he just won. Oh, that that would I love to be in a football player. Hard as nails, good looking, and well, there you go. Good, good <laughs> characters as well, weren't they? Like yeah, all the, all yeah, the players we got from Stoke, you knew yeah, they were getting. Yeah, I know Dice got a, a lot of stick about oh. that, but I, but I, at the end of the day, how many of those lads we signed from Stoke, or probably other than Walters, really, you know, didn't didn't really do it. You know, they were they were all decent farmers, weren't they? You know, even even you look at Peters up to last season. You know, every time you pick Peters at left back, you'd always do a real good solid job for you. So, yeah, but the ex Stoke Burnley players, that's what I say. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, uh, it did get a lot of stick, but yeah, there weren't too many. There weren't too many lads in there that let us down. Uh, maybe add Peter Crouch to your list, but other than that, and if we're going back a little bit further, maybe Lee. To be honest, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, anyway. Yeah. 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 Even though I do like, yeah, Leon Cart. But yeah, I'm talking about the Dice here. He, he was bad, wasn't he? Leon Court. Oh, he's been up a good one. Sorry, we're going off track here, but there's not much to talk about Stoke otherwise, is there? You're just going to whack the ball into the box. Gareth O'Connor. No, not Gareth O'Connor. James O'Connor. James O'Connor, yeah, he's a good player. In midfield. Little ginger yeah. midfielder, yeah. He was tidy, wasn't he? Neat and tidy. Yeah. 
uh, I think he sort of left just as we were really kicking on, didn't he? And I don't yeah. think necessarily a coincidence, to be fair. But yeah, good, good serve. Uh, and if you've got any uh, memories of former Burnley slash Stoke players that you'd like to share, do feel free to get in touch. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, or you can email us. And maybe one or two of those players will feature in our next section, which is the memory match. Um, over to Dave for a Boxing Day clash with Stoke City. For this week's memory match, we're going to go back to the 2005-2006 season. Early in the show, we recalled a couple of matches from our Championship head-to-head section in which Adiakin Bay scored for Stoke City against Burnley. But after making a £600,000 switch from the Britannia to Turf Moor earlier in 2005, a well-trodden path, he set about trying to improve his goal tally with the Clarets. In this particular match, which took place on Boxing Day 2005, Burnley were managed by Steve Cottrell while Jan Boskamp was in charge of Stoke City. The Clarets were on a roll, having won all of the previous five games, and they made it six in a row as that man, Adiakin Bay, scored his 14th goal of the season, in the 56th minute, and that was enough to seal all three points for Burnley. Wade Elliott was Burnley's man of the match. Steve Cottrell was delighted with the result and said, I thought we were excellent in the second half, even if we looked as though we'd had too much Christmas pud in the first. Our passing and movement was excellent and the key to the win. The result took Burnley above Stoke into fifth place, but sadly the good run of form didn't last, and after losing the remaining two matches of 2005, the poor run of form continued into the new year, and we finished 17th and were left to spend yet another season in the Championship. memory match I think as I say uh, they have too many fond memories of playing Stoke in the second tier at the turf so Dave's done well to find one there um, how about yourselves any any particular fond memories of, of uh, encounters with Stoke down the years I'll give a good and a bad I'll give the bad first I remember the first time we played them at home in the Premier League when they had the long throw and Burnley thought they'd bring the advertising boards further forward and the, the first throw the lot through it, and I think the smallest play on the pitch, Tunchai, scored the header. So I was, I actually laughed at that goal because uh, it was that point of the season. I think probably Lords was in charge and we were crap. And then obviously, I know it's been retweeted on Twitter today, and I'm probably stealing Adams, so I do apologise. But when we beat, it was freezing cold. I had to work in Leeds that day. I remember the drive back from Leeds was terrible. And um, yeah, we managed to, obviously, we went fourth. You know, we've criticised Barnes a lot. That's when Barnes was at his best. Goal threat, nuisance, had a great strike in him. And yeah, to go fourth in the Premier League in and around December was amazing. And Tom might disagree with me because maybe this is me getting carried away, but I genuinely believe if the four stayed fit, we'd have, we'd have come top six that season. I think top four would have been out of our grasp, but I think if we kept the four fit, we, we would have got top six. But yeah, that, that one was a fantastic memory. How about yourself, Adam? Anything to add? Nothing further to add on that. That's. Uh... Summed it up pretty well. Not not so much has happened after, uh, like other than uh, other than those games. Um, I think like one of them sticks in my mind. I don't know why. Uh, after we'd been relegated under uh, under Dyche in fourteen fifteen, we played Stoke the game after when we'd like we'd won at Hull, um, but gone down um, and just it was the most drab nil nil, purely shrappy just to stay in mid table. Uh, get a, put another point on the board, and we uh, we were flat as anything. We had that that victory to go forth, and that that's got to got to be up there with um, 
one of the best nights uh, we had in the Premier League. Yeah, the uh, from the sublime to the ridiculous. It's a good summary. Moving on then to the referee tomorrow. Uh, that is David Webb from County Durham. Uh, he's taking charge of the game. He's, we've, he's not ref the Burnley game since uh, the 2015-16 season. Um, so no Premier League fixtures with him in. Um, he's done seven Burnley games previously and we've won five of those, which is a nice omen. Um, two defeats and five wins. Um, but the three games that he has refereed at Turf Moor, Burnley wins at Swansea and Doncaster in 2011. And uh, you might remember as well the Brentford game, August 2015. Michael Keane scored the winner in that one. So not a bad record of them in charge. So let's say that's a good omen for, uh, for Wednesday night. So moving on to Wednesday night then, gents. Um, how do you think we'll line up? Are you expecting any changes? I know you've been... Uh, You've, you've uh, dug Ian Matson out a little bit on this podcast, Rich. Would, would you prefer to see Vettinho back in on that left-hand side? Any other changes? No, I don't want to dig Matson out. It's just an observation. I don't want people coming on and saying, Matson's a scapegoat. I'm just, you know, it's just kind of one of them where I think he's a very, very, a very talented young player. I just think maybe with the way we're going and conceding these goals and crosses, I think at the moment, I would I would just like, I would just generally just like to put Taylor back there. Taylor's just a good left-back in it. And get a proper centre half playing there. Um, any t- changes? Um, you know how much I like Gunmanson, but he was poor on Saturday. I think Benson will come in for Gunmanson, especially at home. Um, other than that, I can't really, I don't think he'll change the bat far, if I'm being honest. Um, I know I would, but I don't think he would. So I think, I, I personally think it'll only be Benson for, um, yeah, Benson for Gunmanson, to be honest. How about yourself, Adam? Would you do anything differently? Any changes defensively or uh, is it just swapping them from three around? I think probably likely to see a little bit of rotation with the, the fact that the games are so thick and fast at the minute. Yeah, there's um, there's not been as much uh, rotation as I, as I thought there might be, to be honest. But like you say, with, with all the games uh, coming up, we might start to see an element of that. Um, he's he's only really made one or two changes every every game, on, you know, no matter if it's been a good good result or a, or a poor result. So, yeah, I agree um, with what Richard said there, um, change upon the wings. And it's just interesting to see how, um, how Bayer comes comes into it because you've you've got to utilise, well, you'd think when we have considered the goals we have, and we did, obviously we considered a goal like that against Bristol City, but it definitely helps us in that area. And it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see what, what he does. But I won't, I won't be surprised if, if we line up, um, yeah, the same same defensively, and I think if you, the problem is we've we've have looked really dangerous on the left hand side going forward, and you you put Taylor back there, and I think it does take something away from from our attacks, and um, and we have struggled for that cutting edge at some point, and and having Mats and that high up, um, I think really does help us going forward. So yeah, if we're winning the game with twenty minutes left and then maybe we need to shoot it up a bit better. But I, I think we um, we stick with Matson. And I, I'm, Rich has pretty much said similarly, he wouldn't, wouldn't like see him come straight out of the team or anything. But um, I think he gives more than than you lose from him. We've just got to uh, learn to, to hold on to those leads a bit better. Yeah, I think there's probably an argument for maybe now we've got all the transfer business done and, and people are starting to get fit. It's probably an argument for keeping the side as consistent as you can for the next few games as well. Um, so before we move on, I'd like to get a prediction from you both. Um, 
what we're thinking, Rich. Um, goals, goal scorers, as much as you can give me. Yeah, so like you said, I watched Stoke yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday, Sunday yesterday, and they were terrible against Watford. Like, I don't think Watford are great. And I mean, oh God, they give the ball away numerous times. But listen, they're a big side. I think Harry Suter's going to be back. Got in and Flint. I think, listen, we're not. They're going to pump the ball into the box, but they they do they, they do lack quality. Um, hopefully at home, I'm going to go for two 0 I just like to see a nice, comfortable two 0 win. You know, at home where it's a real complete performance. So yeah, I am actually going to back the team. I think we're going to. Company seemed. I can't swear, can I? He seemed not really annoyed to me during the game on the touchline and after the game. You know, you could tell in his body language. Hopefully, he's got into him a little bit and. You know, we up, up that intensity and yeah, get a nice 2 0 victory. And I'm going to go Jay and Brownell on the score sheet. I think Josh has been, I, I don't have been critical. I think he was so superb for the first part of the season. I think the last few games he's gone off a little bit. So hopefully, I see Brownell putting a real good performance. How about yourself, Adam? Are you that optimistic? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we'll see a reaction. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Rich. We need to increase that intensity when. When that's dropped, we've really, really struggled this season. Uh, so, yeah, I expect a reaction. Still, yeah, really poor on, on Saturday. But like you said, they will. They have got players that can hurt us. So, um, hopefully we can deal with the threat like we did with Bristol City the other week. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go for um, for a 3-0, three, three just because Richard said 2-0. Um, Jay, Brownhill and Benson. Very nice, very nice. It's, it's a brave man he predicts us to keep a clean sheet at the minute and you've both gone for it, so I'm very impressed with that. Well done. I think I'd be a little bit more conservative. I'll I think that's because of our, stoke, our bad stoke car from what I've seen. Fair enough, yeah. The, uh, the stuff so, needs to move a lot. We'll see, though. Yeah, we'll see. Fingers crossed. As long as we win, I'm not bothered about the scorers, to be fair. All right, lovely. Um, so there's uh, just a couple of bits to cover off before we finish. Um, we're going to go to Adam in a minute for uh, the uh, Fancy Premier League update. But before we do, um, we've got this week's Stat of the Week from Dave. Take it away, Dave. In common with many other teams, Burnley became accustomed to conceding goals on our Premier League visits to face Manchester City at the Etihad. But unlike Manchester United at the weekend, we never conceded six goals there during our recent Premier League campaigns, although there was a 6-1 defeat at Turf Moor in 2010. However, I took a look back through over 5,700 past matches in the Burnley Stats Match database to see how many times a Burnley match had involved a 6-3 scoreline, and discovered there had been eight instances, six in Burnley's favour and two against. Curiously, those six wins included victories against both Manchester City in January 1962 and Manchester United in March 1898, although they were playing under the Newton Heath name in those days. The most recent incident was the 6-3 extra time win over Burton Albion in the League Cup in August 2011. I was when he mentioned a six three. I thought, well, I don't remember ever going to a six three in my lifetime. But actually, that Burton Cup game, I did go to that one. Rodriguez got four in that one. I don't know if it counts because it was after extra time. But yeah, still nice to say you've been to a six three, and uh, nice to say we've we've done it against Man United as well and Man City. Very good. So um, let's move on then to the Fancy Premier League. Um, Adam, I believe you've got an update for us, including um, the September Manager of the Month announcement. 
Yeah, so the uh, the current game week is still underway. Uh, so I've not got a full league update, but we've got the September manager of the month, which was only two game weeks long because of um, events outside of football's control, we'll say. So we've got the top tower, actually, to say... Um, did uh, did your cousin enjoy his uh, August victory, Rich? Oh Is yeah, he was he was yeah he was gloating. He always says that I'm the one who knows the most about football in the family and stuff. So he very much enjoyed having his fantasy. But I always say to it, if you're good at fantasy, you know nothing about proper footy. <laughs> I'm joking, Adam. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm not doing brilliant. He, so. <laughs> he was very happy. He was very happy. Has, has he got his sticker? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll ask him. Post it. I'll yeah. ask him. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So just uh, just got the September uh, September. Uh, can't even speak. September update. Um, Matt has not defended his crown. Um, your top ten for September was in tenth place. Stephen Bates on one hundred and thirty six points. Ninth was Daniel Shepherd. Uh, joint eighth, actually. Sorry, Daniel Shepherd and George Wilkinson, 137 points. Brandon Butterfield in seventh with 142 points. Um, Caroline Stuckey in sixth with 143 points. Mark Robinson in fifth with 145 points. Mushy Hansen in fourth with 146 points. Ben Crawshaw in third with 147 points. You can see how close it is. Um, and in second place was Christopher Swarbrick with 148 points and the winner by just three points with his Netflix and company team, Josh Slater, with a very impressive 151 points for the month um, in just two game weeks. So if you can get in touch with them via, um, via all the usual channels um, and we'll send you out your No Near Never sticker. Congratulations, Josh. Very nice team name as well. I approve it. Good work. Thanks very much for that, Adam. So there we are then. Hopefully we're all feeling a little bit more. I know I'm feeling a bit more upbeat than I did when we started. I'm a little bit more positive. I'm looking forward to the game on uh, Wednesday. I think it's a winnable one. And most of the home games have been winnable this season. It does make a nice change. Um, so before before we uh, before we leave you, there's one last thing to tick off, which is the quiz question. Um, if you were listening to Dave's, um, today's roundup earlier, you might have had a bit of a clue as to the year and the game that this incident occurred. The quiz question is, can you name the Burnley player who failed to score from the penalty spot against Stoke City at Turf Moor during the 1990s? Uh, Adam, Rich, any idea? I've got some blank faces looking back at me on the Zoom here. No, I'll have mind if I haven't got a clue either. But as I say, if you were listening closely, there was a clue earlier in the podcast, so you might be able to narrow it down to an era at least. And with that, I will bid you all adieu. Very good luck on the quiz. Fingers crossed that the Clarets have a bit of luck as well on Wednesday. Let's get back to winning ways. Let's start a good run and let's uh, let's consolidate at least that top six position in, in the coming weeks. Thank you very much um, for your time, Adam and Rich. Thanks for getting involved. Thank you very much to producer Matt, as always, for in it together, for making me sound half coherent. Thanks very much to Joyce Music. Thank you very much to you all for listening. I've been Tom, and this has been the Nona Never podcast. This podcast has been created and uploaded by Nona Never. Views in this podcast are not necessarily the views of TalkSpot. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. 
However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.